United States of America and in other parts of the world, including Mexico and other developing countries, are testament to these stressors that people are feeling all across the world. We've been in constant communication with some members of law enforcement, some active and some retired, who have said this is just the beginning. They are each in their own regard waiting for things to get worse in uh, how people react to things, the way that they handle stress and the violent outbursts that they expect to experience. So a couple of months ago, we talked about how you need to increase your situational awareness, even when going to do mundane things like going to the grocery store or picking your children up from school or even in your uh, commute to and from work. This is the time to be ready. You don't know where you're going to be or how uh, aware of things you will be when somebody comes in to uh, push their own will or push their own violence against you or possibly your family or other innocent bystanders. And so you need to know how to either get out of the area or fight. If you're going to fight, of course, for your life and the preservation of innocence, you need to be prepared to use the same style of weapon or and one of a caliber larger than the attacker is going to use. If they bring a bat, you bring a knife because bludgeoning will not damage as quickly as slashing or piercing. If they bring a knife, you bring a kinetic projectile tool because that sort of ability to reach out and punch somebody who's trying to do harm to you and your family before they can get within hand's range of you is a life-saving part of that engagement. So just know that the police right now are on the lookout for this type of violence to increase. And I think that it would be in our best interest to be similarly set in our own mindset that you could be going to the grocery store or you could be picking up the mail or just doing something as simple as a chore and then the violence comes to you. The geopolitical landscape of Europe is being shifted away from the United States of America. This is as leaders from different countries begin to debate the future of the world, the direction of the uh, different continents, and really what is happening in different parts of the uh, United States of America and what is happening around the world. One of the central figures in this discussion is the president of France, Emmanuel Macron. He has been advocating a so-called strategic autonomy one that shifts the center of European gravity toward China and away from any sort of dependency, reliance, or even cooperative agreement with the United States of America. His vision, of course, has been well received by leaders all over the European Union. Not everybody, including the Polish Prime Minister, who the Polish PM, has been one of the most outspoken uh, vocal critics arguing that this shifting of the center of gravity of the European Union towards China severs ties with the United States of America and has the real risk of hurting European interests. But the dispute between Macron and the Polish leader highlights what is really a wider debate within the EU about how the world is going to respond to China's growing power and its grasp or control of the economy and military strength. The growing tensions between the Chinese and the U.S. is another pivotal point that we have to keep an eye on. You have European leaders right now saying we have to make a choice, either stand with the United States of America, and a lot of them are saying look at where that has got us, or move to China because they're looking for a direction and the future. Now the Polish uh, leader has also criticized 
Western Europe and different parts there for being so-called feckless in the face of threats from Russia and China. He argued that some politicians in the European Union are too eager to uh, seek a ceasefire from Ukraine over the Russian conflict. He criticized Europe's weak response to Chinese aggression and argued that a wake-up call with regard to China is due. The French president, on the other hand, has argued that Europe needs to be more independent in all of its foreign policy. Do not follow the United States of America in its decision-making process, he says. He called for a more united and autonomous approach to all of Europe to uh, face what they call growing geopolitical challenges that will be offset by America's quickly weakening strength. The debate over the future here is likely to continue, but we see a gravitation of multiple countries away from the United States dollar and toward China. This is as the U.S. and China continue to compete for influence. Europe is going to have to decide, and honestly, the victor of World War III is going to be part of who Europe decides with. So if, from standing at an outside perspective, you start to see France, and you start to see Brazil, and uh, I know they're not part of Europe, but if you start to see these other countries really lay into a pro-China movement, that is going to shift the power base for World War III. The Brazilian president has called for developing countries to, at this moment in time, replace any use of the United States dollar with their own currency in all forms of international trade. This directly echoed the calls of China and Beijing's efforts to reduce any sort of United States dollar dominance in global commerce. During the first state visit to China since taking office, the Brazilian president urged the BRICS groups, that's Russia, India, China, and Brazil, and South Africa, to develop their own currency system away from the USD. This is his quote. Every night I ask myself, why all countries have to base their trade on the dollar. This was his speech at a new development bank in Shanghai in China. He continues, why can't we trade based on our own currencies? Who was it that decided that the dollar was the currency after the disappearance of the gold standard? Now his calls for change come as China promotes the use of a new commodities-backed currency that will take over the United States dollar. You see, the U.S. is right now grasping at straws. They're at the very end of the control structure of an empire. They've risen to power. Look at what the Romans did and how the U.S. mirrored this. They started to take over in a colonization of different regions, even political colonization, and they rose to power militarily, sent their armies into other countries, and in doing so, racked up more debt than they could pay off. They basically bit off more than they could chew in the economic spectrum. And their only choice of action for the last couple of decades was to go and take more from somebody else, call it a regime change, call it a dictatorship overthrow, whatever they wanted to call it. And then at the end of the day, once the military cleared the way, the businessmen would come in and they would say, well, we've set up this corporation that's going to handle your defenses, your security, your oil, your uh, you know, your precious resources, your gold, your silver. And the U.S. set up all of these different business structures in these different countries. And so here we have nations that have basically, for the last couple of decades since World War II, have had to say, okay, I guess this is what the U.S. is doing. Now they're starting to stand up because China 
as the world's largest military. Russia has the fastest and most dominating nuclear power, uh, nuclear weapon control. China, again, a major governing power in nuclear weaponry. Then we have India and Pakistan. Now we have Saudi Arabia moving away from the United States of America. Everybody is basically abandoning slowly the USA, and they're just doing it in increments so that it doesn't send the military of the US after any one nation in particular. Who are they going to go after in Saudi Arabia? Who are they going to go after in Brazil? Who are they going to go after in China? No, they know exactly what they have done. And with Russia's invasion into Ukraine, it basically sent all of America's additional weaponry toward the European region there against Russia. And we are months, years into deficit, years into debt that we cannot make up for in the amount of weapons, ammunition that we have given. So what we see happening is a shift away from the United States dollar. This is as Brazil's leader, who I'll remind you, was basically uh, you know, cuddled by the uh, certain parties in the United States government for his leftist movements. And he sought to shift the country's foreign policy toward multilateralist uh, stances. He is renewing an emphasis on stronger than ever ties with China and basically standing as a mediator in between developing world nations and China itself. And they're also trying to overthrow the United States dollar. Now, in contrast, the predecessor, uh, Bolsonaro, uh, Bolsonaro, he prioritized ties with the United States of America. But we saw where that led him. He was basically hiding here until things calmed down in his own country. Now, trade between China and Brazil is growing exponentially. We have $150 billion over the past decade. China's invested in Brazil's consumer markets, infrastructural uh, sectors. Brazil is exporting uh, agricultural commodities and minerals directly to China that China is going to hold back from the United States. This relationship is leading to a greater understanding between multiple countries that they don't need us anymore. This is really a dangerous position because when you don't need, uh, let's, uh, let's say if you don't need the police anymore, do you call them or do you act on your own? Well, what if you didn't need the uh, IRS anymore? Would you just pay your taxes anyways? Or would a lot of people be saying, no, I don't, I don't need them anymore. So we have an entire world that's governed on confidence and the status quo. And because that is being completely torn asunder, we have all of these nations saying that we're no longer standing by the United States. Now, the Brazilian leader's speech touched on the need for the BRICS countries to trade in their own currencies, calling for a currency of finance relationships. Data from global payments platforms uh, like SWIFT shows that currency uh, from China, the share of trade finance has more than doubled since Russia's invasion to Ukraine. This is due to a boom in shipments between China and Russia. Now you have people standing for the United States to say any attempt by Brazil to distance itself from the dollar is going to see significant challenges and that's just garbage. They say the dollar must remain a vital global commodity market benchmark. This encourages, they say, the Brazilian miners to keep transactions that are dollar denominated. But here we have them making all sorts of deals behind contracts, and they're basically moving away from the United States. So let me know your position on that. What do you think down in the comment box? Recently, we have seen these newly leaked documents reveal that China approved the provision, the giving of 
deadly weapons, lethal aid to Russia in its war against Ukraine. The leaked documents contain a U.S. intercept of Russian intelligence. It showed that China planned to disguise military equipment oh, as everyday civilian thing. items. The report suggests that the Central Military Commission of China approved these provisions of weapons to Russia and they approved to keep the matter secret. The report does not indicate the source of the information. Of course, why would they do that, right? But then we have to question, is it real? It was apparently obtained through U.S. eavesdropping on Russian foreign intelligence services, and everybody else in the world is just supposed to believe that that's the way it is. The U.S. has not seen any uh, reportable evidence that China transferred weapons or provided lethal assistance, but then again, the U.S. is in no position to just stop Chinese aid that is given like uh, infrastructural aid or, uh, you know, if they're sending a whole bunch of, uh, you know, made in China goods to Russia, the U.S. has no authority to stop the ships and stop the planes and say, let me search your gear. The report did raise concerns in Washington, however, with senior officials stating that they remain extremely concerned. They are continuing to monitor the situation closely and some saying that if this is proven to be fact, then the United States of America must act militarily against China. The report does provide some evidence in detail of the deepening relationship between Russia and China, which is increasing right now, in part due to the European and NATO war against Russia. China has held back from endorsing the efforts of Russia against Ukraine, but it's also look at what it's doing to its own populations inside of the country. These revelations come, says a military strategist, at a time of heightened tension between the U.S. and China over Taiwan. Just this last couple of months, the Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, he planned a trip to Beijing that was canceled after the uh, whole Chinese surveillance balloon incident was spotted over military installations. He warned that the U.S. has concerns right now that China is providing even more data, materials, and military support to Russia at this moment in time. He says it will never accept coercion or the U.S. pointing of fingers. Uh, that claim is coming to us from Chinese leaders. Now, these leaked documents, what they're doing is actually providing more detailed insight into the dynamics between what is happening in World War III. Just like you saw in World War II, these countries working together, sometimes that information didn't become fact until much later in the war. Here we have information that is 90% belief, confidence, and speculation, 10%, you know, connect the dots back. And we have to just wait it out and see what happens because you are in the middle of World War III right now. The U.S. and NATO have responded to the Chinese calls for a cease, uh, ceasefire in their own uh, so-called 12-point peace plan. They argue that there is no solution that should allow Russia to rearm or to hold on to any part of its uh, territory that it has claimed from Ukraine. Even though there's no evidence that we're seeing China provide lethal assistance to Russia, these reports, according to analysts, are extremely concerning because they're basically giving the United States of America the proof that it says it needs to act economically and militarily against what will be the largest fight that America has ever had. I want to get to a viewer question before we wrap up today. Janie uh, Jenny, maybe Jeannie, Lina. When 9-11 happened, I lived near an airbase. I immediately went and grabbed my kid from school. No one will keep me from my babies. 
Yeah, so you need to have an action plan. As soon as you see something happen, uh, especially with all of these you know, violent events that are happening, how are you handling lockdowns in your area? You know, How are you getting to somewhere before those lockdowns take place? How do you make sure you're not seen as an aggressor because people are going to be trigger happy? Those are considerations that we each need to make. Trevor Halverson says, question, in the case of an EMP, do you think that small rural electric cooperatives will be restored sooner than others? Eva replies to Trevor saying, absolutely not. Rural will be the last restored. NDCY says, nope. In case of an EMP, it's a question of what gets fried and what doesn't. Transmission transformers or large power transformers are heavy, large pieces of tailored equipment. So my answer to that, no, in our experience, the rural areas are always the last to get repaired, simply because from a uh, from, from a triage standpoint of the disaster, if you have X number of people in a larger city or larger area that have a potential to have fatal outcomes because of a lack of power, that's whether it's hospitals or uh, you know the fire departments are seeing the larger people, the police departments are down seeing the larger people. That you have to look at it from that triage standpoint, from a government standpoint, and say, okay, well, if this area has the potential for 30,000 people to perish because of this disaster, but this rural area has the potential for 1,500 to perish, they just send all of their manpower and equipment and repairing capabilities to the larger subset of people. That is one of the downfalls of rural living, but it is, uh, of course, there are definitely booms in other areas. One is you can control your own power a lot better and you have family and uh, you know friends that will work together with you as you prepare for the unknowns of tomorrow. Speaking of those unknowns, make sure that you come back to us here at Full Spectrum Survival tomorrow, only on YouTube. Make sure that you uh, leave a comment and one reply to another person's comment so that we can have this great community engagement and really help people. From my family to yours, please stay safe, remain vigilant, and keep... What up, Dope Black family? Hayes here. I got to say that twice because this one just decided to go by. What up, Dope Black family? Hayes here. Meanie downstairs with their son. They are doing some yard work because I can't lift up some stuff over 10 pounds. But anyway, I got the prepper's warning here. And uh, this one's going to run... 24 minutes, so I hope you enjoy it. Let's get this going. Have some insider information here from you. We have had some communication back and forth with a member who has given us some verifying documentation of uh, being a little bit higher up in the military. And just like that recent leaked report that we have seen, of course, we have told them. Do not ever pass any classified information over to us because I'm not going to be used as a conduit or a pawn there. But they are saying that they are seeing on their side the preps and the readiness to go to war with China and Russia simultaneously in the next couple of months. Now, everything from an outside perspective, yours and mine alike, we can see when combined with the data that we are getting from military analysts and open source intelligence analysts that this is a high likelihood. Now, of course, the military is ready to go to war at any moment in time, but there's a difference between being ready to reactively go to war and getting ready for war. 
Now, that's a that's a reason that they have allowed such a outrageous defense budget over the course of you know the last decades and decades that they've just been taking your tax money and giving it right over to the military. But what we are seeing right now is the people, the personnel. Looking back at what we have heard over the last couple of months, they've told all of their service people to get their wills ready. They've told the uh, spouses to get ready. They've asked some of them to get large amounts of food to make backup and contingency planning for lacking uh, communication. And now we have them cutting off TikTok in different states. We have the military already doing so. This is definitely a change in uh, prioritization and what could possibly be the readiness for this wartime event. I was talking back with one analyst who said, you know, how do you know as a country if China is flying 60 warplanes to you and they're doing this day after day or week after week? How do you make the decision to say today is the day they're going to drop the bombs? Or you just see it as another flyover, another intimidation technique, another uh, preparatory move for that final moment that they do it. And this is what China is doing with Taiwan, flying and sending in their ships day after day, crossing the line, getting into the line, getting up to the line. And they are going to, one time, decide to call it due. And how does the U.S. react? Well, that's why we're sending so much of our one-time Middle Eastern equipment and even some of our uh, carriers over to this region to try to handle what will be the Chinese and Russian threat all at once. That's not the only threat that we are facing. Of course, scientists are warning that a hole was discovered in a 600-mile-long fault line in the Pacific Ocean. They said this hole has the potential to trigger catastrophic earthquakes. We're talking world-changing. Some have even said world-ending, at least the world as we know it, earthquakes that will devastate cities along the northwestern United States of America. This hole was dubbed the uh, Pythias Oasis. It's 50 miles off the shoreline of Oregon. What's it doing? It's spewing hot, fresh water that appears to be what they call fault lubricant. So basically you have your faults, and if you have this liquid in between, it acts as a lubrication. That lubrication means that you don't have a jarring event. They say this uh, fault lubricant is a chemically distinct liquid that allows the plates to move smoothly and freely. Without it, they warn stress will build up and it will create a region-wide damaging earthquake. Researchers are warning right now that the Cascadia subduction zone, which spans from Northern California all the way up into California, is capable of unleashing a magnitude nine earthquake, one that will devastate the Pacific Northwest. And they said this hole looks like it might be just what it needs to do so. The leak was observed a couple of years ago, but they sent out new analysis for it, led by the University of Washington, showing that this is the first known site of its kind to release fluid from a fault zone. The fluid is coming directly from the Cascadia megathrust, where temperatures are estimated to be between 300, 400, and 500 degrees Fahrenheit. The subduction zone there is a region where these two plates collide, and subduction systems produce some of the world's largest earthquakes. This megathrust area spans several major uh, metro areas, metropolitan areas. This is Portland, Seattle, 
Oregon, touching parts of Northern California, Vancouver Island, and Canada. Research shows that the fault ruptured a magnitude 9 event in the year 1700. It was 30 times more powerful than the largest predicted San Andreas earthquake. The area, they say, is right now seismically benign compared to other subduction zones, but it's not inactive and it's becoming more active. Observations have determined that this leaking fluid is 16 degrees warmer than the surrounding seawater coming up directly from the megathrust. Now, this is bad news, according to volcanologists and uh, researchers in the realm. The leak of this is a significant concern, they say, because it's capable of unleashing such a large earthquake. When this earthquake occurs, they say it's going to devastate cities. This hole, they're warm, is just what the earth needed to let go of this pressure. The uh, uh, one small oceanic plate is being driven under the North American plate on top of the continental U.S. <clears throat> the team named the hole after an ancient Greek oracle who prophesized with the assistance of mind-altering gases uh, rising from a hot spring. According to the co-author of the report and warnings, uh, Associate Professor of Ocean Oceanography, who studies geology on the seafloor, the Cascadia Megathrust can be compared to a hockey table, like air hockey. If the fluid pressure is high, it's like the air is turned on, meaning there's less friction and the hockey pucks can move across freely. If the fluid pressure is lower, the two plates will lock, and that's when stress builds up. They say that this zone is a region where these plates will unleash a catastrophic, life-ending earthquake. Larger than the 2011 earthquake that rocked Japan for about 20,000 people and continues to poison our Earth to this day from Fukushima. They noted that this oasis provides a window into what's happening underneath the ground, but it's not anything we want to see. They said you're looking into Pandora's box, so to say. The hole is the first known site of its kind. They say that even though similar springs could look nearby, scientists know nothing of them. What we're starting to see above water right now is the largest air exercise ever organized by the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, or NATO ever since its beginning, its inception in 1949. It's going to be taking place this summer, and the United States National Guard will be contributing about half of the air power that's involved. The exercise, which is named Air Defender 2023, or AD23, which is interesting because we're also uh, correlating with our current timeline, which is after death 23, which is our yearly 23, this has been in the works, they say, for some time, but they won't go into much more detail. Now, they're saying that Eastern European countries, Germany, Estonia, Czech Republic, uh, Latvia, they're all going to take place. AD23 is going to provide an opportunity for these countries to carry out tactical, high-level field training at an operational World War III wartime scale. It's going to serve as a platform, they say, for a newly joined NATO member Finland to be able to participate. It's going to feature 24 different countries, 22 NATO member nations, and Sweden being one of the two countries not affiliated with it. But this is interesting, guys, because the timeline here matches up with what we're seeing otherwise. Among the 10,000 personnel that are going to attend, 
You're going to see 220 aircraft. The ANG alone will be providing roughly 100 aircraft and 46 wings across 35 different regions. The exercise will be its largest, most significant deployment since the Gulf War. AD23, they said, is simulating a specific war against NATO countries. The perception of message to Russia amid the Russian-Ukrainian uh, war and to China and their readiness to take on Taiwan. Global uh, powers are reevaluating defense strategies right now, increasing their budgets, they're upgrading their weapons, and they're trying to borrow and, uh, in some cases, take from other countries. This exercise provides an opportunity, they say, for allied nations to showcase what they can do and how they will stand together. It's going to feature uh, the F-35s, the F-15s, F-16s, A-10Cs, KC-135s, and KC-46A tankers and refueling operations. C-17s, C-130s, uh, just going to be a massive amount of military uh, equipment that is going to maybe push us into that same timeline of what we're being warned about right now, that we're going to see that war take place. The participation uh, is going to involve the individual countries who will be getting ready their abilities to carry out not just defensive, which is what NATO was meant for, but offensive air and counter air operations, including aggressor aircraft. Additionally, the U.S. Air Force's agile combat employment concept will be exercised during AD23. ACE there seeks to ensure the U.S. forces have the ability to deploy to and from contested, degraded, and remote locations in a theater of war. It's going to explore ways that allied forces can operate from uh, really hard-to-reach airfields in Eastern Europe and probably the Philippines. AD23 is going to overlap with the annual U.S. Army Europe and Africa-led counterpart uh, exercise to the German-hosted one, Defender 23, which will stretch across 10 different European countries. The event will take place between April 22nd and June 23rd. That one will have 9,000 U.S. troops, 17,000 additional soldiers from 26 other allied partner countries. 7,000 pieces of equipment are already being shipped there. 13,000 pieces of equipment are being, uh, being drawn up from pre-positioned stock. <clears throat> now, participating, they say, in Air Defender 23, AD 23, is a demonstration of continued commitments to collective security and dedication to ensuring peace and stability in the region. That's the U.S. Air Force Lieutenant General Michael He's the director of the ANG. He says, strategic and tactical interoperability with our allies and partners are key elements of credible deterrence, as is, he says, the demonstration of a combat-ready, assertive, and effective air force. Reports are right now showing that Taiwan's military police force is doubling its size from 5,000 to 10,000 officers. What they're getting ready for is to ensure the safety of the country's president and key installations in a war against China. Concerns are being raised about a potential decapitating strike, one that's going to target the Taiwan president and the presidential office building. Chinese troops are being used uh, in a, uh, to prepare in a replica of the building in the desert. They're getting ready for this attack. 
A decision on the expansion of the military police force has not yet been finalized according to publicized reports, but it is going to be coordinated with the extension of compulsory military service uh, to uh, one year from 2024. They say this expansion is going to add almost a thousand members just throughout the rest of the year. It's going to increase Taiwan's demand for locally produced anti-armor rockets and for Stinger missiles from the United States of America. They say it's going to indicate the country's continued efforts to bolster defensive capabilities against potential threats from China. Now, Taiwan is really looking down the barrel of a gun right now. And the thing is, the United States of America is standing behind Taiwan with a gun pointed at China, the original gun's aggressor. And so what we're seeing take place is a blending of a proxy war and a world war. We're still using these other smaller countries as part of this world war, but they're being done so as a you know, proxy or what do you call it when, uh, when a, a person is uh, collateral damage. That's what is happening here. This expansion of the military police force shows Taiwan's determination to protect their sovereignty, their territorial integrity, which we keep hearing these terms over and over again as countries prepare to use law in their war. They say this is key to ensuring the strength of Taiwan's defensive capabilities. Now, in the Ukrainian war, which has already resulted in 354 thousand casualties, how have we become so numb to this reality? Over a quarter of a million people, their lives lost because of brutality. The Ukrainian war is expected to continue according to documents being released by multiple reporting agencies and government analysts well beyond 2023. A trove of U.S. intelligence documents that were posted online backs up this claim. The conflict, which has been raging on for more than a year now, is one of Europe's deadliest since World War II. It offers a rare insight into how the USA views what's happening there. Reuters, one of the reporting agencies, of course, didn't independently verify some of the documents they reported on, but everything that we are seeing, combined with what you see offline, shows it to be fact. One of the assessments that was dated this year is titled Battle for the Donbass Region. They say it's going to head into a stalemate through 2023. The states that Russia is unlikely to take in uh, parts of Ukraine, according to the assessment, Russia's grinding campaign of attrition, they call it, in this region is likely heading toward a stalemate. This thwarts, they say, Moscow's goal to capture the entire region. The documents suggest that the conflict is going to continue for one, two, five, maybe even 10 years. It indicates that Russia suffered between 190 and 220,000 casualties on its own, including 40,000 people that were taken in action. Ukraine, on the other hand, suffered 130,000 casualties, including around 20,000 that were taken in action. These figures are 10 times larger than any public assessment. They don't want the people to realize how our brothers and sisters, even from other countries, are being lost to the wars of politicians and government leaders. One document that was posted on a Russian telegram channel had a casualty figure crudely altered. They said that it reduced roughly Russian casualties, increased Ukrainian, but who knows? And, and honestly, at the end of the day, 
when one person's life is lost, that is a life worth keeping. According to the documents, while Russia has overall numerical uh, superiority, Ukraine has more backing by NATO, and we've seen this come true. They say the theater of war sits in Ukraine's favor. The document on casualties shows that Russia has superiority in fighters only. But here we sit, a year later, lots of death down the line. The U.S. has warned about Ukrainian strikes deep into Russian territory, even potentially hitting Moscow. They say these strikes will impact China's position. China will, or will respond strongly. <laughs> China will increase its scope of material that it will provide Russia. China will be there for its brother country. According to uh, the Coalition of Assessment by U.S. intelligence officials, they know that this is China and Russia versus the world. The conflict in Ukraine is occurring in a complex geopolitical context. <clears throat> they say right now that it is West versus East. The war has been a key issue in everything that we're seeing. So my question to you is, how are you getting ready? Let's talk about how people are getting ready with a question, a viewer question. Tanker, yanker, no more. Maybe an ex-tugboat captain. Question, what are the capabilities of ground-penetrating radar in regards to caches? So, uh, you know, you uh, caches where you <clears throat> hopefully securely put something that is valuable to you in a container and you hide it somewhere, somewhere that no one else would know other than you. The answer, they say, if you're not hiding corpses or nuclear secrets, they generally won't waste resources like that on you. Oh, that was my answer. I wrote them. So, yeah, if you're trying to cache something and you are, uh, you know, trying to cache weapons, <coughs> excuse me, or trying to cache food, canned food especially, ammunition maybe, and you're putting it in your sealed off six inch PVC and you've got your oxygen absorbers, uh, you know, you've got everything in there, your humidity control, you buried it underneath the frost line. Are they really going to use the resource of, uh, you know, ground penetrating radar to come find that? I guess that depends. If you use some of that material in the commission of a crime while the rule of law still exists and they find that trail of data, of course they're going to use those resources against you because that's what law enforcement and uh, the judicial system does. But if you're caching, you know, some rice somewhere, uh, you know, or maybe some medicine somewhere, your like, likelihood is that no one's ever going to know about it except you and some future treasury digger if you haven't used it. The next question is Jared Green. Question, isn't it, isn't, or is it possible that the reason Russia keeps changing commanders is down uh, to the West using AI on the battlefield to make it harder? I'm not really sure what this question I think Jared is trying to say, is artificial intelligence being used on the battlefield right now? Absolutely. <laughs> the government always has access to things years, decades even, before we do. So is it being used way beyond what we have the capabilities to, to come up with? And in fact, if you know anything about programming, you can sit here and say, well, computers aren't smart. True. But when given data, computers can make a subset of the possible right decisions immensely quicker than humans can. And they can check possible negative outcomes and start to narrow those down to really point you to what is the best thing to do. And that's what artificial intelligence is being used for on the battlefield right now. It knows the risks. 
It knows the, the pros, the cons. It knows the cost. It knows all those things. So they put in this data and they say, well, what happens if we do this? Trust me, they've already done it for what happens in a civil war, what happens in uh, government overthrowing, what happens in a Chinese strike in America. They have already done these things, but they refuse to give this data to you and me, honestly, because we don't matter to them. We are good slaves. And if you keep going to work and paying your taxes and participating in a veil of lies, that is the two-party political system, then you're doing exactly what you're meant to do. And they don't want to disrupt that at all. So when you see China and other countries say, well, America's disrupting the status quo, or America saying, well, China's disrupting the status quo, what they what status quo they don't want disrupted is you doing exactly what you're supposed to do. Eat your bread, go watch your circus, get your work done, pay your taxes, say you're a Republican, a, a Democrat, argue against the other guys who say they're something else, start it all over again. It's the snake eating its own tail, and they don't want that disrupted one bit. So what we can do to get out of this is we can be as independent as we can be, given the confines of the control structures that exist. That means grow as much of your food as you can or are willing to. Uh, have as much of your own power as you can or are willing to. Um, you know, retain as much defense over yourself as you can or are willing to. Get as much intelligence gathering. Be as free and independent as a person as you can be. That's how you win. Guys, thank you for being here with us. I hope you will join us back here tomorrow for more headlines from America and from around the world. Brought to you only on YouTube. Full Spectrum Survival right here every single day. Make sure you leave a comment and hit that thumbs up button. It really, if, hit the thumbs up if you like the video. Hit the thumbs up if you don't like it. We get only like 6,000 thumbs up, 7,000, and 100,000 people watch a video on 6,000. Click that button.